Where are you from, Joseph? South Shields. Well, there were three of us in this marriage. I just want to say, Liam, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. I enjoy cooking bacon and stop working with flour. This is Your Welcome America, the podcast that explains what the bloody hell Brits are banging on about. In every episode, we translate British pop culture for America and American pop culture for Britain. You're welcome. welcome. Here we are. Hi, babes. How are you? I'm good. What week are we going into? What is this like week 10, 11? Uh, Unclear. Uh, I'm just, you know, all I know is I'm still reporting to you from the uh, You're Welcome America Koreatown uh, studio hub, the satellite studio, um, again, where I have been for, I think, maybe forever. (laughs) I, I think I said to you when I spoke the other day, I'm really enjoying people who now are saying, actually, no, do you know what? No, actually, no, I, I've had enough of this. No, no, come on. It's like, uh, um, I, I think we're all, none of us want this. None of us are choosing to have this. I don't think a, a very strident attitude is also going to change medicine, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, how have you been? I have been pretty good. I ordered a... <laughs> led teeth whitening influencer <laughs> kit from instagram it hasn't arrived unfortunately oh. so um it's arriving tomorrow but i will keep you personally abreast of my uh my influencer teeth whitening world that i'm gonna be living in oh i'm excited I'm, you know how much i approve of this how are things over at the original you're welcome america studio the main hub at the studio things are good i've actually just sent you a picture cut my hair again um, and I would describe it as trip to Bergheim in 2010. Oh, yes, it is. It's a, mm-hmm. a severe line. <laughs> yes. Look, here's the thing. I, I'm, I don't know how to do a fade. I'm never going to be able to do a fade. So we're just going to go very literal with my hairlines. I like it. I actually tried to achieve the same effect with my clippers. And something in the mix went wrong. And I had to just shave the whole thing off. But it's fine. I'm actually about to send you a picture. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Oh. I think I've gone slightly mad, but I was going to buy this piece of wall art. I'm about to send you a picture of it. Um, sh- sure. <laughs> I can describe what you've sent me. It is a lovely, it's like a kind of one of those vintage posters to like visit Hawaii back in like the <laughs> 50s and 60s, but it's done for. Isle, the Isle of Nublar, Isla Nublar, IK, aka Jurassic Park. It's Isla, Isla Nublar, yes. Oh, is it? Isla. I think so. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe that's an American pronunciation. Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's you know basically a... None of, it, none of it's fucking real, so it doesn't matter how we pronounce it. <laughs> so that's where I'm at in my head at the moment. I'm considering buying this piece of fake vintage wall art that's based around Jurassic Park. I mean, I do, I do think that would really go well in your home office now you have one. I just like the colors of it. <laughs> I like the message. I like the colors. <laughs> I was going to get, I wanted to get the Jurassic Park poster, but it's just black um, with the, yeah. just the red thing. And I think it's a little, uh, it just looks a little kind of like uh, film student, like, you know, teenager. So I thought this version looked a little more grown up. This one's like an elevated version of that. Exactly. Oh, also, just to tell you, I know that we're not recording that much later than normal, but I am drinking a margarita. <laughs> oh, nice. Top me. Now, I, I have to say, I made, oh, I can hear a little click. I've got my iced coffee, which you'll hear about in a little bit. I have worked out how to make really good frozen margaritas at home, um, which uh, once where things are a bit loosened up a bit, we can, I'll make you one. Uh, what's in your margarita? Talk me through it, please. Oh, it is literally um, just squeezed limes, uh, tequila, and some triple sec. Ice limes. Lovely. You yeah. squeeze, did you squeeze those limes yourself? I did, and I don't have an implement, so I actually just had to <laughs> literally squeeze them with my hand, and then I got like Ooh. a... My, <laughs> my hand started stinging after a while, so I need to buy myself some kind of lime juicer, I think. I love, I love a hand-squeezed lime margarita. <laughs> yeah, it felt very artisanal, you know? <laughs> By the way, I also just want to make sure we take a moment at the top of this episode to not talk about the TV show Normal People. Because I know everyone in the UK has gone crazy about Normal People on Hulu, which is a- adapted from a book. Um, do you know anything about it? All I know is I've received, I think, three separate pieces of feedback about it for people saying, oh, you know that show Normal People? Don't watch it. You'd hate it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I read the book and hated it. It's just um, a load of ma- moany straight people at university. And I don't think you or I need to relive that ever again. Yeah, I'm, I'm good for that. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah, that was us not talking about normal people. Any other updates? Oh, by the way, I haven't watched Drag Race yet, so I'm afraid I cannot talk about it. But obviously, <laughs> shout out to our friends at the Drag Race Recap. Yes. Well, we can catch up uh, next time because it would have been the final. So we'll know who won. I just, is the final happening? I just, you mm. know. I think it's going to be a Zoom one. Oh. Should we do some feedback? Let's do it. So I've got a little bit of feedback from Instagram. Um, Kadeem said that he had just listened to the soundtrack of Burlesque and he said, just simply perfection. I'm not sure if he's talking about the podcast episode or the soundtrack. I'm hoping both. Uh, guest, former former guest of the podcast, Shanina, um, said that she enjoyed it so much on her jog today, and she gave us some feedback that uh, the drag queen Willem was up for Alan Cummings' part in the movie. Apparently, so I read that I read that feedback, and I thought she said, "Will I am?" <laughs> that also would have completely worked. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more little piece of feedback. It's one that we missed actually from uh, Justin in London. Uh, he was, it was in our Talisa and Trader Joe episode, and he said that it, Trader Joe's definitely does exist on the East Coast. Um, and he thinks it's more of an M&S food type of situation. And then he said that apparently Trader Joe's is famous for something called Two Buck Chuck, which oh, yeah. is wine, wine that got sold for um, $1.99. And it got nicknamed Two Buck Chuck. And it was basically, he says it was mainly bought by poor college student and basic Karens that had had a bad day at work. That, that's right. But then inflation happened and you know what it wasn't two bucks anymore what is it now more i don't know how much <laughs> more. i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up you you go and I'll, I'll look it up and report back it's like in the uk when you know you would go to like an ice cream van and you'd order a 99 which traditionally was like you know a cone with some mr whippy style ice cream with a flake in it and it'd be like 99 pence but like over the years it's become like 350 so it'd be like can i get a 99 they're like that's 350 you know, um, <laughs> um, it's it's uh, it's four bucks now. It's four buck chuck. I've just looked it up. There you go. Much like a, yeah, there you go. Talking of our Trader Joe's and Talisa episode, I got some feedback from Niall in London. He wanted me to sh- he wanted to share this tweet with me, and it's a picture of Talisa doing her Britain's Got Talent performance, and the caption underneath says, "Yeah, pandemics are strange, but the shoes Talisa wore on Britain's Got Talent are stranger." <laughs> um, Who tweeted then- that? We need them in I, our life. So, like, someone called Shane, just as Shane on Twitter. And then uh, Niall followed that up uh, by telling us a little bit of a fact. And he said that um, the shoes Talisa wore are Vivian Westwood, Anglomania, Melissa Strap Flats. How the hell does he know that? I don't know. But I love that. Melissa. Oh, do you know what? Talisa, just bung on your Melissa Strap Flats. You know, your Vivian Westwood ones. Just bung those on. Do your dance. Wow, that is some deep, deep research. I'd really love to love to know about the yeah, the styling kind of moment that those were brought to her, and she said, "Those are the ones." <laughs> you think she already had them? I just think, yeah, I, that or or just like I don't think there was a, a real moment of revelation. It was more like she either looked to them in her cupboard or someone showed them to her, and she just went, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> um, I've also got some other feedback on Instagram. Andrew Westwell in LA says uh, about burlesque. Fun fact. Burlesque, or at least it was a year ago, is my niece's favorite film. She's 18, so it's not just you old queens who are into this shit. <laughs> She's a young queen. She's yeah. on our side. I, I have to say, a few people have just kind of weaseled their way out of the woodwork and just been like, I love Burlesque. It's a great movie. It's got more fans than I thought. Also, I mean, it's very relevant. Like, I was talking to some friends last night who live in our neighborhood. And, you know, the You're Welcome America studio was on a hill and um, they were talking about, oh, you know, the view from the house and all this kind of stuff. And then I just educated them about air rights. <laughs> what a great message to take from that movie. I guess that's the one thing we can take from it is just learning about air rights in uh, Los Angeles. Useful. I need to know it. A final bit of feedback from Instagram, uh, Dean UK 2020 that's his username, said, remember when Xtina performed Express at the X Factor final, generating record number of Ofcom complaints and a fine. And then he's just added this, probably for the rank matted dirty blonde wig she wore. Oh my lord, I don't remember that. 
I do. I love nothing more than uh, some. There's nothing more British than a pop star performing on X Factor and getting Ofcom complaints. Should we oh. explain what Ofcom is to US listeners? You, yeah, you take it and run with it. You go for it. Okay, I don't actually know what it stands for, but it's basically the place where you complain about things on television that have broken, you know, codes of like morality and things that have offended your sensibilities. So for some reason, whenever a US star especially performs on, used to perform on X Factor in the UK, they, if they did a particularly raunchy performance, it would always get a write-up where they said it generated record Ofcom complaints. I mean... And there's, yeah, there's a certain thing, like if they get over a certain number, it has to get investigated or something, but then they can also dismiss them. Called the Office of Communications, which is what's called Ofcom. And it's the government-approved regulatory authority for the broadcasting, telecommunications, and postal industries of the United Kingdom. Obviously, you can like complain about something you get in your post to Ofcom. Well, a raunchy, a raunchy letter. Maybe it's yeah. got like a stamp that's got Nicole Scherzinger on it. You know? Yeah, or, you know, like a little, a little flyer that comes to your door with a particularly raunchy, like I don't know, like a fully sock advert in it that you think is too provocative. A ch- like a chicken drumstick that's just a bit too glistening and succulent. Well, surely a breast. <laughs> oh, on that note, I think we're done with the feedback. Oh, she's that hard for Marg. On every episode of You're Welcome America, we take a topic each, a British topic and an American topic, and we discuss it and then translate it to its American or UK counterpart. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with our first topic. Goodbye. <laughs> Okay, before we get into our topics, we have an episode sponsor. Um, as ever, we're always up for people just giving us money and, and sponsoring us. So we actually have a fool. Fraser, what's going on? So our sponsor for this episode is Fran from Kent. She <laughs> And she wants to do a little birthday shout out to someone. So here it is. It's happy birthday to your Welcome America's biggest fan who listens on the day of release. And has to Google image most of the episodes so he understands who Ben and Fraser are talking about. Love from his number one fan, his wonderful, perfect wife, Fran. Hashtag Spawn. And that is for Franco. So happy birthday to Franco. His birthday, I think, actually was yesterday when this comes out. (laughs) Happy birthday, Frankie. Frankie? Uh Uh-oh. Happy birthday, Franco. Uh Uh-oh, sorry. Well, I will say I have known Fran and Franco for about a million years, and you can imagine the fun that has been had over the years of three people that know each other called Fran, Fraser, and Franco. It's just like, we've all all called each other each other's names, including I've called someone my own name by accident. (laughs) (laughs) So happy birthday to uh, to Big Frank, and uh, yeah, we love you, and we love that you're listening every week and that you don't know who we're ever talking about, which I love that. That's some loyal, that's some loyal listening. Oh, yeah, really appreciate that. Happy birthday. Keep on listening. And I think you're going to get another message later on in the episode. And we're back. Uh, so Ben is going to start off with our US topic. What do you got for me, babes? Well, I've got a treat for you. We're going to go on a journey. I've done a bit of an OB, that's outside broadcast, a bit of a field piece. Oh, I'm just yes. going to press play. It's got, it's got three parts to it. I'm going to press play in the first part. Let's see what our American topic is today. Okay, and so begins some potentially award-winning journalism. Um, Just to set the scene, I have just picked up a cold brew from one of Fraser's future home neighbourhoods, which is Atwater Village. And I'm driving, so do get excited for me to make some great driving mistakes. We really are on a literal journey. Yeah, Atwater Village, I think we decided was like a, not a Hearn Hill, but something something south of the river and equivalent in London. Okay, I've just been there. I've got a cold brew. I will say uh, trying to get a, a coffee uh, after 3 p.m. on a Sunday is particularly hard due to COVID. So that, I mean, that's just a bit of a, an insight into the pandemic in Los Angeles. You're welcome. I've also just seen a man who was ordering a pizza barefoot. So that was interesting. Uh, He was wearing a mask, so he was being safe. So we can't be too angry. Okay, I see a police car is about to charge past me. Um, Don't know if you can can just pick up that noise. Anyway, the 
the real point of today's journey is I am doing um, an expedition to 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven is not a location I'm that familiar with, um, but I did go there the other day to buy a Mars ice cream. Couldn't find one, so I had a Snickers ice cream. I was fine with that. So we're gonna go, we're gonna check it out um, during these COVID times, and we're gonna report back. So come on the journey with me. So my topic is 7-Eleven. Oh, that was some stunning, oh. stunning investigative, 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 investigative. Oh, Lord, I'm going to try that one more time. I'm going to leave all of this in. Investigative, investigative. No? Whoa. Am I, am I, having, a, am I having a seizure? <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Invest, investigative. Is that right? In Inves investigative investigate investigative <laughs> investigative oh my god i'm worried and the award for investigative <laughs> journalism goes to your welcome america okay so my topic is 7-eleven before we before we physically get there i'm just going to give you a bit of a, a background courtesy of our old friend wikipedia mm. 7-eleven is actually a Japanese-American international chain of convenience stores headquartered mm. in uh, Dallas. It's been around since 1927. It was originally called Totem Stores because basically someone got a totem pole in Alaska and then people flocked to it and they built a store. I mean, obviously, there's a wonderful <laughs> kind of just, you know, cultural appropriation there in terms of making money, but they got past that. It's now called 7-Eleven. Yeah. Yeah, moved on. Uh, it's now called 7-Eleven. Um, it's been owned by a Japanese company since 1991, and there mm. are almost 70,000 stores in 17 countries around the world. Uh, how much of an experience of 7-Eleven have you got out of interest? Well, it's really strange that you, in your field piece, I not just, I think a mere week ago, went to 7-Eleven near my house and bought a Snickers ice cream. <laughs> I'm not kidding <gasps> you. <laughs> how weird is that? It's, I mean, it's, but it's a, I mean, it's a firm favorite. Yeah, it was great. I, I'm, I wouldn't even look for the Mars ice cream. I went straight for the Snickers ice cream. Um, there's actually two, I live near two 7-Eleven stores and one of them is closer to me. And one of them has one of those Amazon lockers, which I was getting some stuff sent to uh, not so long ago. So I actually have quite a little bit of experience with 7-Eleven. Well, that's going to come in handy. Right. Should we play the next piece of the, the reporting? Okay, um, I've parked outside 7-Eleven, I've arrived. I'm, I'm switching to my Bluetooth, my Bluetooth, my AirPods. I need to wear my mask, um, so I might be a bit muffled. But again, real journalism. This is, I mean, it's like when, you know, when Anderson Cooper goes into a war zone and he's got to wear a helmet, you know? The 7-Eleven is beside, I think there was like a, a restaurant and something. Oh, anyway, I'm going to... I can't quite see, so I'm just going to go in. It looks like I can play the lottery when I go in there and also get some dipping dots. Don't want either of those things. It's also dawned on me I'm going to have to actually buy something. I don't know. I'm pretty good at buying things, but I don't know how this is going to work out. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Uh, by the way, if I'm sounding a little bit pissed off, since the last message, that's because um, I had a call with podcast nemesis Michael. Okay, we're out the car. Mask on. Let's do this. Oh yeah, so the 7-Eleven is beside a dental office and also a jalapeno grill. Neither establishment I can see nor think is real. Okay, a lot of prepackaged sandwiches. The, the slurping machine is out of order. But I can tell you there's a wild cherry Fanta flavor and a flavor called Dad's Hawaiian Shirt Tropical. Oh, there's there's some frozen food that I know Fraser would appreciate. Like a, like a, one of those frozen Amy's bowl things and some bagel bites. And if Fraser would like both those things, shout out to Fraser. I will say the water selection is pretty outstanding. I'm grabbing a tapachico. If I want to get a Slurpee, do you have to get it for me? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, just the smaller size. I'm pouring myself a Slurpee. The Dazzawine shirt flavor was, it's a low sugar one, and I just don't think that's a good idea. So I'm going to do half Coke. Ooh. 
and I'm going to do some wild cherry as well, a bit of a half and half, because I think that's what podcast husband and actual American Jesse suggested, so we're going to try that. Okay, we're out. Um, it was a little bit awkward in there because I um, I didn't want to. It was just me and the ser the the server the, the you know I don't know what you would call that person the the gatekeeper the Seven Eleven gatekeeper um, behind the till the checkout. So I was just being kind of conscious not to speak because I would just seem uh, a little unhinged. I don't know, just like walking around narrating Seven um, Eleven. So it was it was a it was a positive experience. Some real highlights for me were the many um meat products that were just sort of like rolling around in one of those grills, very shiny and sweaty in this heat. Still available during COVID, good to know. Um the slurpy machine that you heard me go to. So now obviously, you know, there are a few obstacles. The the seven eleven gatekeeper had to get me the cup, but then I could still do it myself, so I did that. Um, some fun products that I saw around. Uh, I know Fraser and I are big fans of the many flavors of M&Ms. They had them all. I mean, they had more flavors of M&Ms in there than they do in M&M World in Leicester Square. What else was there? Oh, there was like a, a kind of almost like a pot noodle. I would describe it as um, uh, an Asian pot noodle that was heavy on shrimp. That was available. And yeah, many, many types of jerkies going on. So if you don't want to go to the hot counter, you could go uh, and get like something pre-packaged. So that's good to know. So all in all, very strong experience. When I was in there, another patron, let's use that word, another patron came in and they also were going for the, the Slurpee situation. I didn't see what flavor he did. I don't know if he did the combo like me, the Coke um, cherry combo that I opted for. Although it is it is Coke and Fanta cherry that I went for. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, I, I'm not gonna take a sip uh, just yet. I'm gonna do it live on the podcast recording so Fraser can really feel like we're, we're doing something together, experiencing something new together. And yeah, that was that. Other than that, ample parking. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was my trip to um, uh, 7-Eleven. I also just wanted to shout out, they had trolley sweets. Do you remember trolley sweets? T-R-O-L-L-I? Not at all. <laughs> what? Like a trolley, like a gummy, like a trolley burger. Remember those sweets that was like, it was like a gummy sweet and it would be like a tiny, tiny burger, a trolley burger? I feel no? like- much Am I going crazy? I, I think, yeah, much like investigative journalism, I feel like something has gone wrong in my mind and I don't know what you're talking about. Have I lost the memory of okay. trolley burgers? Well, trolley trolley was like, I feel like whenever you were in like Spain or Italy, you'd be like, oh, I'll go get some like gummy sweets. And instead of Haribo, they'd have trolley. It was like a, a make. Anyway, just now, just before I take my sip of my Slurpee for the first time, I also just want to like have a quick um, look at the history of the Slurpee. You couldn't quite hear me say it, but um, podcast husband, an actual American, uh, Jesse, really... Um, he said that, you know, in his childhood, he would definitely have a Slurpee in the 90s. And I asked him what flavor. And he said it's all about combining the flavors. Oh. So doing like a Coke with another flavor. So that's what I did. Because, you know, that was advice from an actual American. Right. So the the Slurpee is a partially, partially frozen soft drink introduced in 1965 called a Slurpee. But in Oklahoma, they just called it Icy Drink. <laughs> Love that. I like how in Oklahoma, like they couldn't get their, they just couldn't get their tongues around Slurpees. So they just go and they're like, icy drink. <laughs> um, so that's the history of the Slurpee. Um, now, Big Gulp is all part of it. So you know, like those Big Gulp cups, which are very American. Yes. So it's like those giant cups that are, are made in a very like sp specific shape. Um, it, said, it says here, now we're not good with numbers or anything, but it says here that um, the biggest one originally, I think, is like 128 ounces. I don't really know what that means. Hmm. But I, I do know that they tried to ban it in New York, and there was a whole thing called the Big Gulp Ban. <laughs> um, but ultimately, they reduced the size, not because of health reasons, just because the, the size of the cup was too big to fit beverage holders in cars. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to say, like, people couldn't hold them anymore. They were too big for people's hands. But everyone's big old hands <laughs> here could still hold them. No one's no one's walking around holding a cup in America. People are driving around with that cup in the beverage holder. Of course, of course, you're so right. Can I just say really, really quick, just a little bit of feedback on your field field piece? 
really couldn't find the word cashier, could you? Oh, cashier, <laughs> not gatekeeper. Thank you. A little, just a quick diversion, but it does it does pertain to this this subject. You know that from kind of the age of fourteen to I think maybe eighteen. You know, I used to work in a cafe in a zoo in Norfolk, right? Yes, your zoo years. <laughs> yes, back in my in the days that I used to work at a zoo in the cafe. So weirdly enough, my friend actually her parents ran the zoo, and they also lived in the zoo. So we, before I worked there, we used to sneak into the cafe at night. <laughs> we used to unlock the cafe when I stayed at her house and we would put our mouths, <laughs> we'd put our mouths underneath the, the, you know, the drinks dispensers and we would, you know, squirt like Pepsi into our mouths. But the other thing we used to love to do was to make combinations of, so you'd have like a tango and a Pepsi combo, which is Oh yeah, much nicer than you think it would be. Can I? Can I just? Can I just ask? I'm, I'm going to predict that on the menu at the zoo cafe there was a toasty. Absolutely not. No. You, no, you've got. Okay. You've got. What about a baked, baked potato? <laughs> You're correct. It was. It was. Uh, it was jacket potatoes, hot dogs, and uh, sandwiches. And I would say oh. nearly every other person would ask if we sold chips, and we did not sell chips. U.S. translation: oh. fries. Absolutely not. Thank you for that. Oh, wait. And just to clarify, when you snuck in and you had drinks from the drink dispensers, were they frozen or were they just regular drinks? Just regular drinks. Yeah. We would we would steal the food and uh, drink all of the drinks. Uh, to this day, my friend's uh, dad still doesn't know that we did that. But I think deep down he had his suspicions. <laughs> right. Should we do the taste test? Yes, please. So you've not... Okay, let me go get it from the fridge. You've not had one no, sip. No, it's untouched. This was bought probably about an hour ago now, and it has been sitting in my fridge. There's definitely been some separation, I will say. Oh. Have you got that pick? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to pop off the dome lid. Don't need that. And, like, as I said, I've, I've got Coke and I've got Fanta Cherry. Okay. So I'm hoping it's going to be like a cherry Coke. Yeah. Okay, I'm giving it a zhuzh. Okay, here we go. Oh, that's pretty delicious. Oh, does it taste like cherry Coke? It does taste like cherry Coke. And it's also, it's weird because the top is all ice. Then underneath is like, is like a sparkling cherry coke. Mm. How sugary are we talking? Uh, do you feel like your teeth are going to be like fuzzy if you drink the whole thing? Well, let's just say I, I do know for a fact that it's both artificially and naturally flavored, and by <laughs> that mean by that I mean it's just got all flavors and sugar and everything going on. So my teeth are probably just gonna dissolve and and i'm just gonna have little sort of like yellow little <laughs> little i don't know nubs just in my mouth blow um, away like, in like a cloud of dust <laughs> when you finished that is good now i can see us like you know when things have relaxed a bit here um us going there getting these and just putting a little bit of alcohol in them can i just say what i would like to do is uh pop on the bayside boys remix of the macarena um pop a bit of alcohol in a slurpee and then drive to the beach Oh, that sounds lovely. Now, obviously, we do not condone drinking and driving, but we all know that I'll be driving, so you can be drinking. Yeah, that, uh, yeah I was just talking about myself. <laughs> hey, did you ever have slush puppies growing up? Yes, yeah, slush puppies were very... I feel like we used to... When we used to go swimming at the Marina Center in Great Yarmouth, shout out to those people. I know you're listening. Uh, we would have... Yeah, a slush puppy would be our kind of reward at the end of a long day of swimming. It was either a slush puppy from the cafe or we could choose between that or a, um, I think an ice cream from the, you know, a, Ooh, yeah. a nice Solero. I, well, I, I do think at the end of like a, a day in the UK where it's probably been really cold outside and you've been at a leisure center and you're just really damp and cold, it's good to either have an ice cream or a very icy drink. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because also the Marina Center, I remember... You know, if the outside temperatures was minus 500, inside it would be approximately a boiling temperature like the surface of the sun. And when you're young and so overexcited, you've just been running around and like swimming and jumping in and out of water. I do remember the cooling slush puppy being quite a little treat, actually. So yeah, I think I think my, I mainly associate slush puppies with swimming. The blue raspberry flavor, of course, being the ultimate. Oh, 100%. So slush puppies are basically the UK equivalent of the Slurpee. Um, they had like a, an image of a dog. I think like the symbol was like a dog maybe wearing a hat because he's cold. Yeah, he's the slush puppy. <laughs> oh, he's the slush puppy, yeah. Okay, so I think that pretty much sums up um, 7-Eleven, my trip there. Now we need to think about the UK equivalent. I hear you've already got an idea. What, what are you thinking? Yeah, so back in my uh, teenage years, my friend Lydia worked in a local Londist. 
And I feel like the coloring, the branding of Londis is very similar to 7-Eleven. That green and red and orange is the, very similar to the Londis branding. And also it just sells a lot of very similar products. I remember there was a kind of a hot cabinet where you could buy sausage rolls and they sell like weird um, US equivalents of like a sausage roll in 7-Eleven, kind of almost like pastry encased you know, meat sticks you can buy in there that are filled with cheese and potato. Mm. There was something there was something called a potato dog that my friend Lydia was particularly fond of in Londres, which I think was a hot dog. I think it was a hot dog surrounded by potato and then deep fried, I think. It also, yeah, it just kind of sells like kind of convenient things. Although I do think, I'm not sure if maybe it's just the 7-Eleven near me, does not sell alcohol. Oh no, my, the one I was in, I think they had beers. Okay. They had like, you know, stuff in the fridge. Yeah, so I just feel like Londres is a very similar and there's a Londis kind of everywhere. I think that they're pretty, I think they're all over the UK in a way that 7-Elevens are all over um, America. What do you think? I think that's very good because originally I was thinking, are we talking a WH Smith? Hmm. But WH Smith is more like mags and newspapers. And also WH Smith, you'd always have like at the, um, maybe at an airport, you would never have a 7-Eleven at an airport. So I like your laundest thinking. I have been to a 7-Eleven <gasps> at an airport. I think it might have been in Houston. No, Dallas. I think it was in Dallas. It was either in Dallas or... Oh, Minneapolis. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was either in Dallas or Minneapolis airport. I had some kind of snack from a 7-Eleven in an airport because I remember being really excited well, it about it. It was probably Dallas because that's where, as we learned earlier, that's where it's from. That's where 7-Eleven started. Well, there we go. Hit, you know, let us know, American listeners. We must know. So, okay, but I, I do, but I just don't think WH Smith feels right because they've got all the mags and newspapers. And then I was like, do we throw it back? Because 7-Eleven is a bit dated. Do we throw it back to a John Menzies? Do you have a John Menzies growing up? <laughs> no, we, no, we never had a John Menzies, but I do know what that is. Is that like a news agent? Oh, no, I mean, I think we did have them actually. Oh, I'm not sure. Something's happened to me today. I think I've gone mad. Ooh. Tell you what you need. You need a nice cold Slurpee just to really like, <laughs> you know, pop you up with ice and chemicals. Okay, no, but I, I like what you're saying. I like the Londis. Uh, just quick shout out to my friend Katrina who works in Londis. And um, I'm sure she had to wear like a, a Mexican sombrero at one point when she was there. I can't remember what the occasion was. Cinco de Mayo certainly doesn't exist in Glasgow, but she did wear a sombrero working there. I feel like a ta um, I feel like the word tabard was definitely a part of that uniform at some point, like a Londis tabard. Oh, <laughs> I have to get. Oh yes, an itchy tabard with like a with Londis embroidered on yeah, it. Yeah, I'll have to get Lydia to report back to, as to whether she had a Londis tabard. <laughs> Love that. And how would you describe a tabard to the American <laughs> listeners? A tabard is like a. a, a apron that you wear over your head <laughs> no i'm not explaining that it's basically a punch an armless poncho <laughs> yeah uh, uh sure uh <laughs> sure we'll, we'll let we'll let we'll, 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 we'll run with that <laughs> a tabard is an armless poncho okay so the that was that was our discussion of 7-eleven and the uk equivalent of 7-eleven is londis you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> So being the true professional podcasters that we are, I forgot to tell Fran she had a second message and me and Ben forgot to record one. So this is just a second little happy birthday message to Franco, our loyal listener in Kent. So uh, in lieu of another message from your wife, I have got just a couple of little stories about Franco that I'd like to tell. Uh, the first just being the time that Franco, Fran and I went into a kebab shop in Wimbledon after a night out and the owner of the kebab shop thought that me and Franco were Turkish, so decided to usher us to the front of a long, long, long line of people who were very angry that we got preferential treatment just because we weren't white. Uh, for the record, Franco is Italian heritage and I am half Caribbean, not at all Turkish. And my second quick story is just about Fran and Franco. One of my fondest memories uh, back at university a thousand years ago was the time uh, during a St. Patrick's night, I think it was, where Fran screamed the lyrics to Ride on Time by Black Box into Franco's face on the dance floor. And he said it was the first and only time he's ever considered breaking up with her. So there you go. Just a couple of fond memories. Anyway, love you lots, Frank, and happy birthday. So we are back. We've done our American topic for the day. Now it's time for our UK topic. Fraser, what you got? So I'm going to be talking about a Spice Girl today. And I'm going to start by doing an impression 
of this Spice Girl done by another Spice Girl in the movie Spice World. My mum's my best friend. Shh. <laughs> now that, of course, is a previous topic of the podcast. Victoria Beckham dressed up as Emma Bunton, Baby Spice, doing an impression of her during the wonderful photography montage of Spice World, the movie. We all remember it. Set to the song. Uh, documentary. Uh, documentary, thank you. Apologies. Uh, set to the song Saturday Night Divas from the second album. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Get down, get deeper and down, get down, get deeper and down. A Saturday night. <laughs> Take it from me. I know you hear what I'm saying. This is not an episode where we recap that album. So I'm talking about Baby Spice herself, Emma Bunton. Because what is more comforting in these difficult times than the warm, beautiful, blonde, fuzzy blanket that is Emma Bunton. I actually was, I was kind of inspired to speak about her today because there's that meme that's doing the rounds of, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's real, not sure if it's fake, of Emma Bunton talking about COVID-19. And it just simply says, oh, I just wouldn't know where to start when she was asked about what she would do about the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, so yeah, there was this um, meme or picture of Emma Bunton went round and it says, Emma Bunton admits she wouldn't know where to start with trying to come up with a vaccine for COVID-19. Yes, that's exactly it. Thank you for helping me out with that. So yeah, I just thought, what is more perfect in these difficult times than just the, the comforting, you know, sip of hot cocoa that is Emma Bunton? So of course, as you know, Emma's middle name is Lee, like the men's name, L-E-E. -E. Did you know that? <laughs> According to Wikipedia, she's called Emma Lee Bunton. I don't think I knew that. <laughs> so she was, of course, Baby Spice in The Spice Girls. Uh, did you know... Uh, she still is. Uh, she still is, thank you. you. No past tense. She Baby Spice forever. Do you remember the name of the magazine that gave the Spice Girls their, you know, Baby Spice, Ginger Spice, Scary Spice? Do you remember which magazine it was? Well, people often say it's Smash Hits magazine, but it was actually Top of the Pops magazine. Uh, do you know what, Ben? Sometimes there are moments where, despite there not being a romantic or sexual thing between us, I would like to marry you. Just those little, little moments like that where I just think, you really get me. So yeah, of course. So yeah, <laughs> Top of the Pops magazine is when they decided to give them all kind of, they put them in a spice rack and gave them all different spice names based on it. And she got given baby spice because she was blonde. She was the youngest, obviously, but she was like blonde and cute and often, you know, gave her signature hairstyle of the pigtails. She was, was sucking a lollipop, which when you think about it now is quite strange. <laughs> So, you know, within the kind of the world of the Spice, I want to kind of talk more about her outside of the Spice Girls, but just within the world of the Spice Girls, she really weathered the Spice Girls, probably, I would say, the best out of all of them in terms of kind of going through the least uh, kind of going through the least problems or controversies or anything, really. <laughs> she, she she's, she's the Kimberly, the she, Kimberly from Girls she, Aloud. She, she truly is. It just, just solid, dependable. Her looks were never crazy. She's always kind of looked the same, yeah. very consistent. Yeah, much like Kimberly, actually. She's one of those people where you could you can go back and watch their music videos and her outfits in those music videos, yeah, she could she could probably get away with like quite a lot of them again still, just changing the kind of the wedge platforms for normal shoes. And she'd still look really nice and like a nice dress. So yeah. she yeah, she kind of got through the Spice Girls pretty pretty unscathed, I would say. Quickly, while we're in the Spice Girls realm, uh, do you have a a favorite Emma Bunton vocal within a Spice Girls song? Oh, you know, you can't. That's that's tough. Um, I mean, I, I know we both really cemented our friendship over her sort of ad-libbing vocals on Let Love Lead the Way. <laughs> the double A-side single with Holla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I she I remember when we saw them live, I think we I talked about this in the in the other uh, the Victoria Beckham episode, but those vocals on Let Love Lead the Way live were spectacular. No, she's just she it she really suits the baby name. She is she's just really sweet and lovely and you know she would smell nice, you know, and she'd probably be wearing like if you met her, she'd be wearing a lovely jumper that just feels really soft and she'd be really <laughs> lovely and smiley and it would all just be great. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, she was an, an integral, integral, integral part of the Spice Girls. I won't go, there's not too much more to talk about with her in the Spice Girls. There obviously is, but I want to focus more on what happened in uh, 2001 when she released her debut solo album. 
We're talking about the lead single, What Took You So Long. What a song. uh, 16th of April, 2001, that song was released. What a song. Wonderful song. The video really sort of slightly referenced Shania Twain. Yes. That don't impress me much. That don't impress me much. Yeah. Yeah, The video is very like that. Just, you know, traveler. She's the traveler. She's traveling. It's very desert. It's it's very carrying carrying suitcases down a dusty desert road, isn't it? Mm, with the heat rising off the, the tarmac. Yeah, and I think I remember she looked very like golden in the video as well. The beautiful bon- blonde gold goddess that she is. Uh, so What Took You So Long went in, debuted at number one in the UK singles chart in 2001. A very good time for me, 2001. I, I, I loved, I, did you have this album? I don't know if I actually even bought the album. I think I just bought the singles. I, I bought the album as a gift for someone and, and then I copied it or I had like a mini disc of it. Right. I did like a mini disc recording of it. But I, yeah, I really, this song was very important. We did, we should just give a quick shout out to um th- this other single that she had just before this though, What I Am featuring Tintin Out. Oh yeah, of course. Um, she released. That, that, oh now that famously, famously was released the same week as Jerry released Lift Me Up, that, that solo single. Um, and uh, I remember Emma got to number two and Jerry got to number one. So that was a bit of a controversy, but we'll put that aside. Well, I, um, you know, I bought the Emma single because I did not like the song Left Me Up by Jerry Halliwell. And I actually stand by that. I hated the song. I, yeah, stand by Me too. I hate it. I hated the video. I hated the song. Yeah, I bought, I bought uh, the Tintin Out song because I wanted that to beat Jerry. So, so this, uh, so what took you song came from her debut album, A Girl Like Me. Wikipedia has a very scathing, scathing line after it talks about what took you so long. It says, although initial success was promising, A Girl Like Me fell down the chart quickly. I'm like, okay, let's not, no, let's not do that. Fell, fell down the chart. Yeah, let's, let's not do that. So she started, as you said, with What I Am, uh, with Tintin Out, followed it up with What Took You So Long. I would then say there is a, another song, which is very kind of, seminal to our friendship and that was her next song that she released is like song and really referencing the video as well that song is like you're on the beach but it's it's maybe it's like 6 p.m and it's cooling off and it's been a lovely day and you've got like a shawl or something yeah. you're just gonna wrap in you're not too hot you're not too cold you're very satisfied <laughs> you're, and you've had a lovely day yeah you're like you're like warmer from the inside out of being in the sun all day and you're like oh it's just getting a bit cooler and maybe we're gonna have like a, a barbecue on the beach and then you just hear if I told you, yeah, it's it's very like spinning around on the beach with the wind, with like a shawl, which I think is definitely you're right. What she did in the video isn't she leading a horse around in the video on a black sand beach? That did go in at number five, so I will admit, yes, what took you so long went in at one, and then that went in at number five. So obviously, much like Wikipedia's scathing description, it 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 was sliding down the charts a little bit. But I loved, I loved "Take My Breath Away." It was just very kind of just very it's very indicative of why she's so lovely because it was just like a lovely song do you remember the single that followed up take my breath away uh we ain't gonna sleep tonight <laughs> you went very cash there it's actually called we're not gonna sleep tonight it's not we ain't oh sorry <laughs> I actually... sorry i mean I, I remember it seemed to get to like number 18 in the charts or something yeah. i was one of the only people supporting It got in at number 20, which is a bit unfortunate because it was, it was a pretty good song. It was, I remember the video is kind of set in a club and I think, I feel like it came out at the same time as, do you remember that Atomic Kitten song that was, um, I really last forever. I really want to be with you. Yeah. yeah. That kind of like disco 
song. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they had very similar videos and concepts. I can't remember when Be With You by Atomic Kid came out. I'll have to go to the research for that. Yeah, those were the, the songs from her first her first album, 2001. So, you know, she she was she did okay solo-wise, especially in the kind of grand scheme of the Spice Girls solo work, especially their first, you have to kind of judge it all by their first albums, because I think everyone had quite limited success after the first albums. So I do feel like it kind of went, Jerry was the most successful, followed by Mel C. Then yeah. I feel like it's a tough, between you know Mel B, Emma, and Victoria, it's kind of a tough crowd to, to oh, think yeah. who kind I of... Gonna, I, I was going to say Emma, because she got that number one but then so did mel b with that missy elliott song yeah so i i think i think it's maybe i think well no i think it's i think it's emma because the second album people still have favorites from it yeah then it's mel and it's victoria well yeah even though for some of us that victoria album is iconic including the iconic track i owe you remember that song (laughs) i owe you so she had the fateful kind of second second album that she followed up with. So that was called uh, Free Me. Do you remember the album Free Me? Oh, sure do. So she opened up with the lead single of the album, which was actually Free Me. So yeah, one of the worst lines, I think, actually on par with uh, Victoria Beckham's I'm not made of China, I'm not made of glass, uh, is the how I long to seduce you line from Free Me. Quite a tough, uh, quite a tough line. But this is where she kind of took a, a direction that she kind of sticks to for quite a few songs after this. She kind of went into this like James Bond theme 60s kind of realm for this album. Yeah. And I remember actually, I at the time not being like that impressed with it. But over time now, as an as like a more of a grown up person, I've learned to appreciate the songs from this era a lot more. I know there's there's some songs coming up that I know that you probably have some personal feelings about. One in particular that I think you must hate because it's extremely honky tonk. But I thought Free Me was <laughs> I thought Free Me was kind of fun. Uh, it got in at uh, number five in the UK charts. I, li- I liked Free Me. I also remember she looked pretty amazing in the video. Yeah, like she's just wearing like a shirt. And like heavy makeup on her hair, and it just—I just thought she looked really cool. She has um, what I would describe as very two thousand and three badger hair. Remember when it was very de jour to have blonde and black very next to each other in in your hairstyle? Oh yes, very literal, very striped like a badger. Yeah, I feel like the vibe was meant to be very like Caribbean James Bond. Uh, what's the which is the oh, fuck? God, I, I'm really like lost. I've lost my mind tonight. Which is the which is the James Bond movie where it's very heavily Caribbean? You're not going to remember anything about James Bond movies, are you? Live and Let Die. Mm, no, I, yeah, she's. I mean, she's. Yeah, she's doing a whole thing. I think she's probably in like Cape Town here. You think? Like a city. <laughs> I'm going to Google it. Hang on. So your guess is your guess is Cape Town. Ah, uh, unfortunately, it was filmed in Rio. Rio de Janeiro. Wow. What? They flew all the way to Rio to do that. Whoa. Oh dear. Oh dear. Do you think that much like we've tried to start a campaign for other other UK pop stars to do Bond themes, do you think we should try like a retroactive campaign to get Free Me to be the next Bond song for the next Bond movie? Oh, I would love that. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, Just... I, I do know that I do know that Billie Eilish has already recorded the next Bond song, but post COVID, it's going to be a brave new world. So you know, do Emma, do do up. we need to hear from Billie Eilish? Do we need to hear her version of a Bond song? Do we just re just re release Free Me and yeah. rename the next Bond movie Free Me, Free me. and you're done. <laughs> Skyfall, Spectre, Free Me. <laughs> so. Uh, now we move on to a incredibly important Emma Bunton solo song. Oof. Are you ready to get honky tonk? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's all just in my mind. Maybe I'm foolish. Maybe it's just a waste of time. 
technically that is a good so it's maybe that's maybe technically that is a very good pop song it's just a bit i don't know it just i always remember at the time when it would come on you'd be at a club in uni or like when we just moved to london and everyone just went a bit silly the way they danced to it and it would really annoy me it does it does uh, much like uh <laughs> much like the boy does nothing by alicia dixon it does prompt very unique dance choices i would say a lot of like oh. arms flailing over the head and like austin powers style kind of holding your nose and like you know when you hold your oh. nose and hold one arm up in the air and go like up and down what even, what even is that oh. dance move so, are you like are you like in water and you're like swimming <laughs> yes it's very synchronized like swimming <laughs> so yeah this was this is obviously the song maybe i i i read something kind of fun about it is that she actually wrote this song with some like songwriters and apparently the inspiration behind the song was a soundtrack album of 1970s german porn music so apparently the the people who produced the song with her they played her some like 70s german porn music and then they kind of wrote the song around that she described the process as mad and hilarious <laughs> Emma, I can really imagine saying, like? "Oh, it was, oh, it was mad." I went to the studio. Oh, I'll tell you what, it was mad. I went to the studio and they started playing porn music, and I said, "Okay, maybe I like it." <laughs> <laughs> the vi- I would say the video for maybe is also kind of is kind of good in a in a way that ha- perhaps hasn't aged as well because there's some kind of some effects and camera stuff in it that's quite odd but basically it's i didn't realize it's based on the 1969 film sweet charity there is a a song in that film and it's kind of quite heavily ripped off of that she also (laughs) i also read this that she uh, began conceptualizing the music there while she was in the process of writing her inspiration was the very sexy stage musical chicago (laughs) Uh, and it also says that it's kind of they they wanted to lean heavily on bob fossey kind of uh dance moves so it's this kind of strange like, 60s very heavily involved yeah yeah like really leaned on Bob. and i think she just spent too much time hanging out with twiggy you know yes it does feel like it feels like twiggy and austin powers meets emma bunton that music video <laughs> and then <laughs> sorry i'm just reading a lot from wikipedia but this really made me laugh there's the section about critical reception of the song uh, and it just is <laughs> it says uh, someone from the BBC Music website said the song had a, I quote, beehive razzmatazz. <laughs> I mean, the word razzmatazz certainly goes with like the honky-tonk dance. Yeah, I actually think a beehive razzmatazz is the perfect description for that song. So actually, I will just really briefly tell you that when I was at uni, I went to see Emma Bunton perform at GAY when it was still at the Astoria in London, and she performed Maybe. It genuinely was what, such a fun night. I went with four straight men to G-A-Y, uh, the gay club in London. And yeah, we saw Emma Bunton, we all got really drunk. And then I kissed a very unattractive South African man called Corey. And those straight men who I'm still friends with now will constantly ask me, how's Corey? (laughs) (laughs) They know who they are if they're listening and they will still text me out of the blue saying, have you heard from Corey? I kissed him once in front of them and they will not ever let me forget it. This is Future Fraser again. Uh, just remembered that I kissed Corey seeing Girls Aloud at GAY. I think I kissed someone else ugly when I saw Emma Bunton. So, you know. <laughs> hey, look, I was in my 20s. I was a whore. Who cares? Now, here's where things get kind of tough in terms of going through all of her singles because there's only really a few notable ones after this. There's a, there was a follow-up song was called I'll Be There, which I'm not actually that familiar with. I don't know if you are. No. And then obviously there no, was... We don't need to... We don't need to no and then there was that that incredibly like batshit song cricket sing for anna maria remember that song which which oh i i sure do and she potentially you know there was she definitely used her voice in a specific way in that yeah there was um there was some accent work uh much akin to (laughs) akin to britney in the song the hookup where she (laughs) does just a light caribbean accent i would say emma used a kind of south of the border Kind of, kind of voice on this. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was a cover of a Bossa Nova song from the 60s, 1967, which is a very strange choice to have on an album in like 2004. But yeah, it, I mean, what else can you say about that song, Cricket Sing for Anna Maria? What, what can you say? It has lots of lyrics. She sings very fast, maybe in a Spanish accent. And it's one of those songs which is like, two minutes 20 seconds long you're like yeah. okay that happened <laughs> packs Quickly. a very strange punch <laughs> kind of just kind of just comes on and then you're like what just happened and then it's gone yeah there was a, a, a kind of follow-up album which i think didn't really didn't do that well she did a cover of a cover of downtown the uh you remember that song oh yeah wasn't it from like children in need or something yeah, i'm not sure that just it was an odd an odd kind of an odd journey that she took musically then and actually um she very recently was it last year that she came back with that album of covers and she had some yes. really kind of fun fun covers on there didn't she there was the uh Ted don't call me baby by madison yes, she, yes i loved that her cover of um don't call me baby it's just i thought that was a really clever choice because of obviously baby but just it really suits her vocals she did a really cool like kind of Almost like a stripped back version, wasn't it? It was like a, a lounge version of Don't Call Me Baby. It was really yeah. cool. It was like, like clearly she and Jade and some friends went to Ibiza and like rented a gorgeous villa and had like a very lovely, luxe, Balearic vacation. And like that kind of song, it, it's kind of like as the sun setting at their gorgeous villa in Ibiza. And they're having some few, a few sundowners. I want to just quickly pivot to personal experience. Have you ever met Emma Bunton? I haven't, but I'm very excited that you've not only met her, you've worked with yes, her. Yes, I worked with Emma Bunton on a very ill-fated uh, TV show, which I don't want to talk about. Not because I'm trying to be confidential, just because it was kind of a disaster. <laughs> it was quite traumatic. But she was one of the host presenters of this show that I worked on. She was one of the loveliest people I have ever met. There was an amazing moment during a script meeting where me and another uh, person that worked on the show, we talked, we'd obviously clearly talked in the run up to the filming about how excited we were that we were going to work with Emma Bunton because we love the Spice Girls. And at one point during a script meeting, a very small intimate script meeting with like about five of us, she just casually dropped the name Mel C. She didn't say Mel, she said Mel C. And I just felt this, me, me and this guy, we locked eyes and it was like a moment of electricity. We like, I almost, my head almost just like exploded off of my body and like went into the atmosphere. And I was trying to be professional. And I was like, uh -huh, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but inside I was literally, it was like, as soon as she said it, I just was, I just heard like, la, 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 la. I just was like doing cartwheels in my head. And I just wanted to like grab her and be like, you're talking about Sporty Spice. Ah! <laughs> but outwardly i was just completely calm <laughs> so i was really struggling with thinking of the u.s equivalent of emma bunton do you have any thoughts before i go into my incredibly rambling explanation mine okay i think we've talked before about how in all ways the u.s is elevated not better but the u.s equivalent is always um bigger and uh, and yes. just more heightened just because america is a much bigger place so this is going to sound crazy <laughs> a u.s equivalent of emma bunton could be Kristen chenoweth well i mean they look <laughs> they have a very similar look actually when you think about it they, they have a very similar look they're both they're both blonde they're both very sweet they're both much loved now Kristen vocally is a much more uh impressive vocalist she does opera and musicals and all those things but you know she her and her role as glinda goodwitch very like cutesy and nice and i just yeah there's a certain although emma ultimately baby spice is far more famous but, than kristen chenoweth i know, you know, I know what you're saying actually kristen chenoweth has got that kind of whether it's true or not that kind of southern it's like a southern sweet like a very sweet sweet southern lady persona hasn't she that's kind of like oh i'm like sweet and approachable which is very obviously on theme with Emma's yeah. brand. I actually wanted to use an example of someone that I've used before. And I think that I'm not sure if that's going to work against me or not, but I think I used the same example for Billy Piper, but I said Mandy Moore. Now hear me out now, hear me out. The reason I thought of her is because I was trying to think of someone who's very like, I was thinking of someone who, you know, had fame at a young age, has done kind of other projects, but ultimately, I feel like Mandy Moore is someone who is seen as a very sweet person. 
her, her whole brand is very sweet, very nice, girl next door, approachable. What about Hillary stuff? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the other day when I sent you that that cover of We Are Siamese by Hillary and Haley Duff. <laughs> I mean a different time. Well, I mean truly a different time. Do you know what? I'm not I'm not mad at the Hillary Duff comparison actually, because she's also got that Okay, I'm actually gonna take both of your suggestions and combine a Christian Chenoweth with Hillary Duff. So the US equivalent of Emma Bunton is Christian Chenoweth meets Hilary Duff. You're welcome. <laughs> Right, and that is our episode of Your Welcome America. Um, this has been a long one, so we're going to save our final segment for next time. As ever, do get in touch and harass us on Instagram. Uh, like us and follow us on Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Rate us there. Leave us a little comment. We'll read it out. We'll find it. Um, and yeah, and just hope you're all doing okay in these, uh, in these COVID times. Yes, and I will just finish off with a plea yet again to any listeners that know Samantha Mumba. Please get her to come on the show as a guest. We will Zoom her. I know she's in LA. We don't even need to worry about the time difference. Get us Samantha Mumba. Bye. You're so far up your mouth. I can get to smell your own shit. Where are you from, Joseph? South Shields. Well, there were three of us in this marriage. I just want to say, Liam, come and have a go if you think you're I enjoy cooking bacon and stop working with flour.